And I would just want to say here today that today is Memorial, tomorrow's Memorial Day, or today's weekend. And uh, I just want to say here that I appreciate all of our military veterans. If you're a military veteran, would you stand? Would you just stand up? We have several, and look, just look around you here. These people have served in the military, and we want you to know that we appreciate you, we love you, and uh, we should always be grateful to our men and women who serve in this capacity that we might have peace, that we may have peace. Praise the Lord. I saw a documentary uh, the other day, and uh, not a documentary, it was a presentation, it was a, a, a presentation on TV, and... Uh, they were showing the strength of the American military. It's the strongest in the world today, as you well know, and has been for a long time. But they went on to say at the very end, as strong as we are and as great as we are, we try to keep peace in the world. This is the objective, is to try to maintain peace, not war, but peace. Because if there's ever a war, and this is what the presentation ended up by saying, and it was all about how strong our military was, how great it was, and giving honor to it. They said, if there is a war, there is no winners. There is no winners. There's another war in the world that will not be winners and losers. We'll all be losers. So it's a very sobering thing, and there's a lot of things developing in the Middle East that I want to talk to you, not today, but later on. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you about some things that's building up in the Middle East that's very biblical, very biblical. I'll show you some things in the Bible about it, where we're going, what's happening, and so forth. And that, but I don't want to get you off in that direction yet. What I want to talk to you here today about is something God has been dealing with me and talking to me about and showing me scriptures on. And I want to pass along to you some things here, and that is scripture's hard to be understood. Scripture's hard to be understood. And I'm going to teach on that, begin a series of teaching on this. Probably I've got about maybe 10 or a dozen of these uh, scriptures that sometimes people don't under understand. And they, sometimes people ask me, they have sometimes a very simple answer, sometimes a very complex answer. And uh, there are also scriptures that are controversial. And some people think that because of that, it makes the Bible to be... Uh, in other words, not always in agreement, not infallible, because it says one thing one way and something something else. It's never that way. The Bible is uh, is infallible. It means it does not fail. Everything is true in it. But those who do not know the word or they are not led by the Spirit, they cannot decipher what those answers are and so forth. So we, by the help of the Lord and the grace of God, we want to try to pass along some of these things to you here I'm going to start out today. That we won't do it all in the day, of course. Just I'm just going to deal with uh, one or two, one minor thing, one major thing, event, and then uh, try to help you to understand what the scripture meant or means whenever it states certain things a certain way. Praise the Lord! And to understand here that there is no contradictions in the Bible. There is no uh, uh, there is no fallacies in the Bible. The Word of God is infallible. The words of Jesus are always true. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to look with me here, and, and to begin with here, if you look with us in Second Peter 3, 16, and it's just a verse I'm using as a springboard here to our subject here of Scripture's hard to be understood. 
And it says here in 2 Peter 3 and 16, this is just three verses from the end of 2 Peter, which is the end of all of his writings. He wrote two epistles. It says here in the 16th verse, as also in all his epistles, his referring to the apostle Paul. If we were to read the scripture above it, it talks about even our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto us and so forth. So he refers to that by saying in verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Paul had a phenomenal understanding of the scriptures. And uh, it says hard to be understood. And so I'm taking my text uh, from on this whole theme from that. Scripture's hard to be understood. And uh, it goes on to say, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. That means they wrestle with it. As they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. And now to in harmony with that, I'd like to read one in Hebrews. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In Hebrews 5.11, it says here, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So this was Paul himself writing when he wrote the book of Hebrews. Of course, the author of the book of Hebrews is not certain, but most scholars believe it was Paul, and I, for one, do believe it was him as well. But anyhow, these are a couple of verses here that lets us know here that the verses that we're going to be talking to you about here are scriptures that if you were to see them for face value, you would say, what do they mean? That's, I don't quite understand that. So uh, I'm going to get into some of these things. Let me give you an example, and this is an example that all of you would understand. I'm not going to have you turn in the Bible because you know it by heart. In Matthew 28:19, Matthew 28:19, uh, if you want to show that on the screen for us, uh, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All right? The irony of it all is that whenever the apostles went forth, they did not baptize in that titles name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They did not baptize in the titles like that. So Jesus said it, they didn't do it. Acts 2.38. You put Acts 2.38 there, most of us are familiar with that. And it says, uh, I'm looking at the screen up here. Okay, then Peter said unto them, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice here that he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus said, go get all the word baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, also in 8.16, Acts 8.16, it also says something very similar to that. And this is referring to uh, when Philip uh, went, went to the city of Samaria and baptized people. For as yet he, that is the Holy Ghost, was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it, gets, it leaves the impression here that the apostles were all baptizing in Jesus' name. There's a, a Philip for one, there's Paul, I mean, a, a Peter declaring it. And then if you look in uh, 1048, this is uh, Acts 10, 1048 here. This is another verse of scripture in the book of Acts. 
And uh, it says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I'm trying to show you how that some people, not you, I'm using this for an example, how that some people look at that and say there's contradiction. Now, let me give you one other verse of scripture here. This is 1048. This is 195. That's 1048. This is Acts 195. This is Paul. So you've got Peter twice. You've got uh, Philip. And you've got Paul here now. And in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul goes to the city of Ephesus and he finds disciples. 195 is the verse I want. I know I keep these folks busy up there. God love you. Appreciate you. Okay. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about all the other parts of the verses and so forth, but it just bears out they all baptized. So the apostles went forth baptizing. Why? And I've had people to tell me, had you rather believe the words of Peter or you rather believe the words of Paul, of, of Jesus? I said, are you telling me then that Peter commanded them the wrong thing, that there's a controversy? The Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay. So there's only one baptism here involved. So we have to understand what it is. And, of course, you know the answer, and I'm not going to elaborate on this. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go, in all the word baptizing in the name, N-A-M-E, the name. And the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all the same. And once you understand that baptism, uh, that, that baptism of formula in Matthew 20, 19, is referring to the name of Jesus, you understand then that Jesus is the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That's why people who understood the baptism also understood the, the uh, oneness of God. And so this is a truth that God has revealed over the years. I was 16 years old when I was saved. And uh, I was, uh, for five months, I wrestled with this. I could not, un I had I'd say to this person, would you explain this to me? Why did Peter, Jesus say this and Peter and the other apostles baptized like this? And they would explain and explain it go in one ear and out the other. I'm, I'm serious. I, I, I just couldn't get a hold of it. And one day I was reading my Bible and bango, there it was, big as Dallas, just right there in front of me. I said, dear Lord, I jumped up and stood up and said, out and started talking out loud. I said, there it is. No wonder. It's the name. And the word name is singular. It's not names with an S on it. It's singular. So if Father, Son, and the Holy, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, if you're speaking of those three, it would be speaking of names. You know, and Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, none of those are names anyhow. They're titles. I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a husband, but that's not my name. My name is Myers, you know. If you don't know the full name, is Jackson Ellis Myers. That's my name. Don't tell everybody, okay? God love you here today. I've just given that to you for an example. Now, let me use another example here this today of one that, uh, that is not commonly known or understood. And I'm going to share this with you here today. If you'll turn with me to uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 16 and 27. I'm going to read 27 and 28 to you here. And I'm going to read this to you here, and I'm going to show you the complexity, or the, not the complexity so much as the complication of understanding this verse of Scripture. Then I'm going to give you the answer. The reason I'm giving this to you is because it has a very quick understanding to it, very short answer, and I can be through with it in just a few minutes, and then I'm going to go into something else. All right, everybody with me? 
Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come and hit the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And we know this to be the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 28. This throws some people into a tailspin. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Wow. Wait a minute now. These were the apostles standing here with Jesus, and he's saying there would be some here that's standing here that will not taste death until they see the Lord coming in his kingdom. Wow. Notice the word see. Everybody see the word see? They shall not taste death until they shall see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Praise the Lord. And you say, well, let's see here. They're all passed away. They're all dead. They've all, you know, if all the disciples are all, these apostles are all dead today, and Jesus still hasn't come back. What's wrong with that verse of Scripture? You know, you know, is it is it real or is it manufactured, false? You know, and so we have a, a little problem here, you know, Houston, you know, with this verse of Scripture. Uh, let me have you look at one, and uh, let me look, show you one here, John. Now this takes it a little bit further. Over here in the end of the book of John, in chapter 21, when Jesus had resurrected from the dead and his disciples had gone out fishing and he appeared on the shore with a little fire burning and some fish already cooking and they were out fishing and fished all night and caught no fish. He said, cast your fish on the other side. And they caught 153 fish, 53 fish. And there's a message in that and I won't get into that today. But when they finally got to shore... The Lord said to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Because Peter was a fisherman. Lovest thou me more than these? And he said, yea, Lord, you know I love you. He said, he said to him again, feed my sheep. He said then to him again, lovest thou me more than these, Peter? Three times he said that to Peter. And every time Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you more than these. And then when they started to walk away, look at verse 20. This is interesting. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, that's John. That's John. Uh, John wrote this book, and every place he, he talks about himself, he always says, that the disciple that Jesus loved. If there's anything else John knew, he knew Jesus loved him. Praise the Lord. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee, which was John. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? You've said to me, you know, feed my sheep. You know, lovest thou me more than these, feed my sheep. And then he said, what shall this man do? Now look what Jesus says in verse 22. Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Thou follow me. Well, you, you do what I say to you. Don't worry about him. Everybody see that? Now look at verse 23. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die because they remember what Jesus has said, of course. I'm not reading that. I'm just stating that. Now the rest of that 23rd verse, yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And then in verse 24, John reveals himself to be that this is the that this is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things. Now, so uh, John, uh, but he died. He died in, uh, I think it was 98 A.D.
John died. He wrote the uh, he wrote the Gospel of Saint John. He also wrote First and Second and Third John, the Book of John, he, and he also wrote the Book of Revelation. Now, in Revelations one nine, I believe it is, it says that I John. It says that one. I won't have you turn there because that's not the key verse I want to show you. He says I John. But now I want you. I do want you to go over to Revelations nineteen. Over 1911, look at that. 1911, here's your answer to that scripture where Jesus said, there'll be some here that will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory with his angels. Everybody with me now? Look at Revelations 1911. And I saw, this is John talking. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, he is recording here, seeing in this vision that he had, that the Lord gave him the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos on the day of the Lord, which was on a Sunday. And he wrote, was writing all these things. This all happened, they believe, to be around 96 A.D. John died a couple of years later, 96 A.D. And so here in verse 13, it's speaking about he that was on the white horse, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same, in the 14th verse, and the same was made flesh and dwelt among us. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the Word of God. Praise the Lord. It says here in verse 13, I'll read it again, that he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. I'm jumping down to 16 to save time. There's good reading in all of this. And he, in 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise the Lord. Now, I won't go any further here, but I think you get the picture here. So, when Jesus said, be some here that will not taste death till they see the Lord coming in his glory. You get the picture here? John saw it. So, did Jesus mislead them? No. Jesus told them something that they had not did not figure out, did not quite understand, and even until, right on up until John himself saw all of that. Now, everybody say praise the Lord. Now I'm going to move into another one that Jesus stated, and with that I'm going to go into a more elaborate, detailed uh, Bible study here subject. And I want you to go with me, if you would please, to Mark 4, Mark 4, and... Uh, Mark 4.22, the 24th verse is what we want to get to. For there is nothing hid which shall not be made manifest, neither was anything kept secret, but that it shall, should come abroad. Verse, uh, verse 23, if any man have ears, let him hear. Let him hear. Verse 24, now look at this very closely. He said unto them, take heed what you hear, with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you, and unto that that you hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Wow, that doesn't seem fair. If I've got a little bit of something, you've got a little bit of something. Okay? And God's going to take some from one and give it to the other. And the one that doesn't have very much, he's going to take everything he's got. 
and give it to him who has more than he has, that he may even have yet more. That just doesn't sound fair, does it? And yet the Bible says that. Let me read, uh, let me read Luke to you, just in case Mark had it wrong. I'm reading here in Luke chapter 8, verse 17. But nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be made known come abroad. Look at verse 18. <clears throat> Take heed, therefore, how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given. If you got it, you'll be given more. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Mark said that that he hath. Luke says what he even seems to have, he'll be taken from him. And again, we're saying, well, it looks like Jesus is saying that it just doesn't seem fair, does it? Unless you know what he's talking about. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today. If you've got your Bibles, either in Luke or Mark or in both of them, I want you to write this word, faith. Faith. And here's what Jesus was doing much of his earthly ministry. He was talking about spiritual things to people who weighed everything in natural surroundings. Everything was a natural to them. This is why the Bible says, Jesus said, the soul went forth to sow. Some seed fell here, some fell that. And then he got on through. What were you talking about, Lord? I was talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like, you know, the word of God going forth. And what kind of ground does it fall on? It means what kind of hearts do we have when we hear the word of God? And how will we respond to the word of God? The Lord was talking. I speak of things. I speak of spiritual things, but I'm speaking of it in a natural context. So this is what the Lord, Lord said, I'm going to take away that that he seems to have. If you've got some faith and you don't exercise your faith in God, your faith will diminish. If you've got faith and you build on that faith and you believe the word of God and you continue to build on that faith, God will increase that faith in your life and in your heart. Praise the Lord. This is a thing where that you've got to increase that You've got to do more of it, praise the Lord, in order that you may have it. Praise the Lord. Now, let me give you a little key verse here. I want you to look with me in Romans 10, 17 for a moment. Romans 10, 17. Look very closely at this. And if you've got a pen, put a ring around it. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, the Bible says that, put a ring around it, folks, is just as true as a day is long. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the way of God, uh, uh, by hearing by the, by the word of God. Now, let me just say one thing here. Don't miss church. Go to church. Praise the Lord. Church is where you hear the preaching of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise the Lord. And God wants us to hear the word of the Lord. You hear the word of the Lord, praise the Lord, God will increase the faith in our hearts. But if we lay out of church, our faith will diminish. It'll just seep out of us. It's like a, a, it's a, like a light burning out, and it'll just seep out. It'll just, it'll just go away. Next thing you know, you're hearing all kinds of stories. You're hearing all kinds of junk. You're hearing all kinds of beliefs. You're hearing all kinds of stuff coming this way and that way. Praise the Lord until you start questioning whether God's word is really true. I'm telling you, this is what happens. And it's Satan's business to try to challenge the word of God 
And he doesn't want you to believe the word of the Lord. And this is why that believing God's word and going to church and walking with God is so vitally important. It's the most important thing that we can do. So we've got to have faith in our hearts. We've got to have faith in our lives. We've got to walk with God, praise the Lord, and, and, to, and to serve him. So uh, let me say one other thing here. Always respect this pulpit. Always respect it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The minister that stands in this pulpit studies the word of God. He seeks the face of God. He prays. And don't tell me he doesn't. I know because I've been in this business a long time and I know ministers do. They seek and they ask God, God, put on me, put in me anything I need to say. Tell me the right things to say. Help me to help the people that need help. Help me to say words that will encourage people that need encouragement and to correct people who need correction. And the pulpit prays for that. So when the man steps in the pulpit and he preaches, let's say, God bless that man. Amen. Preach the word to us. Sometimes it'll like that, you know. Oh, boy, he said something I didn't quite, you know, really went home. That's okay. That's okay. That's because God loves us the reason he lets that happen. And God will give him the right words. There's times the minister can be in the pulpit and he's preaching away and all of a sudden God will say, nope, I want you to go this way. And God will start giving him the words and the things, the thoughts to say and the things that he can say. And there's a reason for it. It may be just one person in the audience that needs to hear it. But God is interested in that one person and he gives that man in the pulpit the words to say that he might be able to help that individual. Praise the Lord. I'm just telling you this, that we should always respect the pulpit, always respect the man of God, always respect your pastor. Praise the Lord, because God has put on their shoulders the spiritual responsibility of us. And you say, oh, what if the preacher is this or what if he's not? Maybe he's carnal. Or Don't worry about the preacher. He's got to eat. It's, that's between him and God. And he'll take care of that end of it. Let's us take care of our own soul by always respecting the pulpit. And always being faithful to the house of God. Go to church. Folks, when you don't feel like it, go to church. Praise the Lord. Whenever things are just up, when company comes, say, make yourself at home. We'll be back home when church is over, you know. Just make church so important that they'll say, you know, when you go there, they're going to go to church. You know, they are, you know. Yeah, they are. Praise the Lord. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. While we're there in that same uh, 10th chapter uh, here in Romans, uh, back it up to the 13th verse. I was, I was reading verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Go up to verse 13. And I want to read 13 and 14 to you because it takes faith to be saved. Number one, it takes faith to be saved. Two things. It takes faith to be saved. It takes faith to stay saved. I'm going to give you some verses here. Look at 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at that. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to call on the Lord. You've got to call out, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, you know, you can sit in the back and hear the message. And the word can go forth. But that doesn't do it. You've got to call on the name of the Lord. He that called, or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You've got to believe first. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So God has ordained all of this that you and I might have faith to be saved. Praise the Lord. 
Let me uh, have us go to another verse of Scripture here. And this is in Hebrews 11:6. This is just a confirmation that faith is essential to salvation. Faith is essential to be saved. Look in Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Praise the Lord. So they that come to God must believe. God, we got to believe that he will reward us. And so just remember this, praise the Lord. Don't ever hesitate to come to God. I know sometimes the preacher says, let's all come down around the front, let's stand and so forth. That's our opportunity to say, Jesus, I need this, I need that, whatever it is. And God will help us in it. So it, to come to the Lord and to be saved, we need the Lord. Now, here's part number two to that. It takes faith to stay saved. It takes faith to stay saved. Not only to be saved, but to stay saved. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you were in Hebrews 11 there, 6. Back it up to Hebrews 10, 38. Now, this is an interesting verse, and listen to me closely on this. Verse 38. Now, the just shall live by faith just shall live by faith. In other words, if you're going to be a just person, you're going to have to live by faith. Faith is required in you to live for God, not just to get saved. I see some people come to church and they'll come down to the altar and pray and they go get baptized and then you don't hear see a hair hide of them. That's a country statement. You don't see what happened to them. I don't know. I guess they said, I'm saved now. Here you no, no, no. You got to stay saved. Praise the Lord, neglecting not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, seeing that they are approaching, the day is approaching. Praise the Lord. So this verse of Scripture, now the just shall live by faith. This is found two places in the New Testament, this statement, the just shall live by faith, found here in Hebrews and also in the book of Romans. Romans 1.17 says the same thing. I won't have you turn there, but it says the same thing. The just shall live by faith. It's found also one other place in the Bible, found in Habakkuk. 114, uh, uh, Habakkuk 114. It says the just shall live by faith. That's where it comes from, Habakkuk, in the Old Testament. And then faith is found one other place in the Old Testament. And it's found in the book of Deuteronomy where it says that the Jewish people that came out of, out of Egypt followed Moses, and Moses gave them the law, and God blessed them and fed them and all that, gave them water from the rock. They were a people without faith faith, the Bible says, that the word faith appears those two times in the Old Testament only. Did you know that? Faith only appears two times in the Old Testament. Once where it talked about, you know, when they came out of Egypt, they had no faith. And then Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. And the reason that that statement is in there is because Habakkuk said to God, God, I don't understand why you would take a sinful nation like Babylon and judge Israel, who is, yes, they are sinful, but you use a sinful nation to judge a sinful nation. Are they justified to judge Israel? And he questioned that. And you know what the God told Habakkuk? Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. You just trust me, live for me. You don't understand everything. You never will. I got it all in control. Just live for me. That's what it was all about. And I'm going to say this to all of us today. Amen. Sometimes you just walk with God and you just serve the Lord. 
And sometimes things are a little topsy-turvy here or topsy-turvy there. Things on the job you don't understand. Things in the family you don't understand. Things with friends and relatives you don't understand. You know, whatever it is. Whatever's going on. Praise the Lord. You say, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Don't worry about it. Just say, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to keep my faith in God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to keep believing in the Lord. And God will never fail us because of the faith that he says, if you'll have it, you keep it. Here's an interesting thing that the word faith is found in the New Testament about 250 times. The word faith, just the word faith, not faithfulness. And not, you know, not that, uh, not the word faithfulness or any, any other component of faith, but just the word faith alone. Found like 250 times in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament only twice, and one of them was a negative. And that is at one time in the back, and there, of course, is quoted twice. So the just shall live by faith. Praise the Lord. And uh, grace and faith, praise the Lord, go together. Faith and grace go together. Amen. Uh, I want you to go to Ephesians 2.5 for a moment. Ephesians 2.5. I'm going to show you how that faith works in our lives, both to be saved and also to stay saved. Look at 2.5 and then 2.8. These two verses I'm going to read to you here. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with, with Christ. And then in brackets, by grace ye are saved. Now, we're not saved by faith. We are saved by grace. Now, verse 8 explains it. For by grace are you saved through faith. Oh, Brother Myers, this is all getting complicated. No, no, no. I'm going to explain it to you real simply here. For by, grace, for by grace are you saved, that through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Now, here's how we are saved by grace and that through faith. And that is that <clears throat> grace is the unearned favor of God toward us when we have not earned it or we don't deserve it. It is the unearned favor of God, unmerited favor of God. That's what grace is. Grace is Calvary. Grace is the shedding of his blood. Grace, praise the Lord, is the baptism of the Holy Ghost that he gives us. Grace is his wonderful name that he has given us which, which, in which there is much power. Grace, praise the Lord, is his mercy, his love. Grace is his blessings upon us. That's the grace of God. Grace is his protection, his provision for us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. You know, the Lord has promised to always provide for us. Uh, grace is his word revealed unto us. And even putting it, has put it on the hearts of men over hundreds of years to translate it into a language of people. And we have it in the English language, therefore we can understand the word of God because God has put it in the hearts of other people to do all of that for us. I pick up this Bible, I can read it. But whoever translated it from the Greek and from the Latin, you know, in, finally into English, you know, whoever it was, God bless them. God put it on their heart to do that, that you and I might have the word of God. That's all the grace of God. <clears throat> all of these things. The pastor given to a church is the grace of God. Teachers given unto us, that's the grace of God. All of that is grace, praise the Lord. We are saved by grace and that through faith. In other words, we have to believe, therefore, the word of God. 
our faith is what we then we respond to that. You can have two people sitting on the back of the pew, sitting side by side. They could be twins. You know, they'd be together all their lives. Word of God goes forth. One of them is touched by the word of God. The other one is touched by the word of God. God's grace is saying, I love you. I want you to be saved. They both feel a need to go to the altar. One of them gets up and goes to the altar and gives his heart to God. The other chooses not to do so. So while the grace of God is extended to both of them, yet only one of them is saved through faith. You understand what I'm saying? Because he says, I believe that. I believe I can be saved. I believe I I want to be saved. I believe I can go to heaven. I believe God will forgive me of my sins. And so he goes to the altar and he believes. And he becomes a believer. The other one turns and walks out the door. Now, they may not be twins. They may be friends. They just may, you know, whatever. I'm just using that for an example. But I'm just trying to say here to us today that the grace is to all men. Grace is extended to all men. But faith, praise the Lord, is our response to God's grace. That's where we come in, our faith. Do you believe what the Word of God says? Do we believe the preaching of the Word of God? You know? That's why, folks, when you come to church, don't balance your checkbook. Don't get on your cell phone and go... I don't know what. You know what? I walk through the mall sometimes or I'll walk down the street. It seems like about two-thirds of everybody I see walking is looking down. They don't even know where they're going. I've had people almost run into them and they don't even know where they're going. They're all wrapped up in that cell phone. Don't come to church and do that. Go shut it off. Put it in your pocketbook. Put it away. If it rings, don't even answer it. It's probably some somebody wanting to sell you something anyhow or trying to jip you out of something, That's, you know, swindle you out of something. I'm just trying to tell us here today how important it is for us to have faith in our lives. So it takes faith not only to be saved, it takes faith also to stay saved. Praise the Lord. We've got to have faith in our lives in all things. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to have you go with me, if you would, for, to the book of Hebrews for just a moment. Let me show you something here. This is interesting. Faith, faith requires action. The Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized. It doesn't say he that believeth and is not baptized shall be saved. Some people say faith is all you have to have. It takes more than that. Faith is something that is put in action. Faith is an action word. I'm going to show you that. So he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then, of course, Living for God is, requires that. Look at 11. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read through several of these real quick. This is 11.4 of the book of Hebrews. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice that came. He offered a sacrifice. So it was not just that he believed God. He did something. It was an offering of a sacrifice. Uh, if I'm jumping real quick to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark. Noah didn't just say, Lord, I believe, yeah, I believe you're going to send a flood. The Lord said, build an ark. Well, I don't know if I want to get involved in that or not. You know? No, no, it involved an action. If he believed God, let's put it in action. If he had not put it in action, he'd have drowned. You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? If Noah had not put his faith into action, that is, he believed it, yes. Do you believe I'm going to send a flood? Yes, Lord, I believe it. Then build an ark. Oh, I don't think I want to do that. You know, now that you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost or not yet filled with the Holy Ghost, now it's time to go to church. Well, I don't think I want to do that. 
No, no, no. You've got you to be working on your salvation, not working on it, but just living by faith, walking with God and serving him. And that is the actions that we take. Now, going a little further here, look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went. Okay? So he didn't just stay home. He went. He did it. So I'm just showing you here how that faith, praise the Lord, is, was all these actions for it. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Not literally, but he was intended to do so. Did not the angel stop him, of course. Verse 19, accounting that God was able even to raise him up even from the dead. That's why he's willing to do it. Verse 24, I'm staying with this thought here that faith is an action word. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a, he made a decision. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ. That is, believing in the Messiah that has not yet come. Messiah that has not yet come. Uh, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now look at verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He left it all behind. He did all that. In other words, his faith prompted him to take an action. And look at verse 28. Through faith, he kept the Passover. That means the Passover, praise the Lord, was when they took the blood of the lamb and they applied the blood to the doorpost of their house and across the lintel of their house. They killed the lamb, then they roasted the meat and ate it and everything. But they applied the blood. The blood of Christ has to be applied to our lives, and that's applied in baptism. Praise the Lord. When you're baptized, that blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives and washes away our sins. So we have to be baptized. We have to apply the blood. We can, so they can say, oh, I believe that the death angel is going to pass over. Yeah, but I don't think i got to do anything. Well, they had to. We do have to do something. I'm going to finish this up here uh, very quickly here. Uh, verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell because they marched around it seven days. Six days and on the seventh day seven times. The Lord said, march around the walls of Jericho and they'll fall. Just march around it. So by faith, they did it. They did it. They said, look, we believe the walls are going to fall, but why walk? Why march? We've been marching for 40 years. Why march again? Because God said so. Do you understand what I'm saying? That faith is obedience to the word of God. Praise the Lord. And then in closing, I just want to point this out, and I'm going to wrap this up. That faith comes by, that faith, praise the Lord, is that there is the fight of faith. The Bible says, it speaks about the fight of faith. It's found in 1 Timothy 6.12, but very quickly if you look at this, and I'm going to finish up here. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. He, Paul told Timothy that. Keeping the faith, folks, is a fight. You just keep on. You keep on believing, Lord. And whenever you feel weak, you come to church. Whenever you feel weak, you pray. When you feel weak, you read your Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Remember, that's the Word of God. Not just, not just hearing anything, but hearing the Word of God. And then in 2 Timothy, this is just a very couple of pages over in your Bible. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, this is what Paul said when he wrapped up his life. I have fought a good fight. I have kept finished the course. I have kept the faith. The faith, keeping the faith is the fight, is the fight. So what I'm saying here to you and I, let's fight the good fight of keeping the faith. Praise the Lord. So it, what uh, to him that hath 
A little it will be taken away, but he that hath much it shall be added to you. Keep the faith. Walk with God in faith. Keep believing God. And one day the Lord's going to come. And he'll split the eastern skies for us. Oh, yes. Let's stand together and just worship God and thank him right now. Jesus, we love your wonderful name. We thank you for your blessings and goodness. Thank you for this audience. Their love for you. They're, that's why they're here this morning. God, bless us all as we attend the house of God here today. Bless these services coming up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.